0: People think of grace, a lot of people think permissive. You know, a grace period, eh, you, you, you kind of got a stay of execution, it's permissive. Very, very, very wrong thinking about it that way. Dr. Kim, Tim Kimmel in his book, Grace-Based Parenting, identifies the three needs that all children have. Number one is a need for security, a need for security. The parents, the kids have to know that things are secure, all right? Second, they need to have a need for significance, all people have a need for significance. And the third is a need for strength. All right, and he writes this, the way to meet all these needs is to give you, by giving your children three valuable gifts, love, purpose, and hope. And if we've done our job adequately, our children should leave our homes with a love that is secure, a purpose that is significant, and a hope that is strong. I highly recommend that book. But there's nothing permissive about any of that, okay? There's nothing permissive about that. Grace doesn't mean you overlook your kid's faults and problems. That's not what a good parent does. It means you parent your children the way God parents us. God is not permissive, nor is he legalistic and threatening. But here's something that I run into all the time when I'm counseling parents. And having been a parent for 21 years and dealing with everything, I get it. I really do, but this is something that we just get wrong about authority. What we get wrong about authority, I want, I want to bring you guys to Matthew chapter 7, 24 through 29, and, and parents and kids, you need to listen to this. All right. Jesus says this, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. Verse 28, when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority. Everybody say authority. Authority, Authority, not as their teachers of the law. Okay, so we understand something going on here, and you do this too. There are people in our lives that we perceive as having legitimate authority and people that we say have illegitimate authority authority. There are people that if we believe them to have legitimate authority, we will do what they say. We will honor them. But if we believe them to be illegitimate in authority, we don't have anything to do with them. Okay? In Malcolm Gladwell's book, David and Goliath, he, he gave the, um, the scenario of what happened in the 1970s in Ireland. That was when there were the, the deal between the Protestants and the Catholics, and, and they hated each other, and they were killing each other, in Northern Ireland, and all this kind of thing. Anybody old enough to remember those, those days? Yeah? Um, you know that at, in, in one time, a Protestant <clears throat> pastor stood up and said, uh, I'm mean, sorry, an atheist in, in, in Northern Ireland stood up and said, I don't believe in God. And a woman in the back said, well, is it, is it the God of the Catholics or Protestants you don't believe in? Mm-hmm. Anyway. Uh, that happened back then. Cause, but um, what what happened was the English saw there was all this unrest and riots going on, and so they sent in the military. <clears throat> the prevailing thought of the time, you guys was that if you punish severely enough, people will stop. If, if you, if, if they were to go in and just crack down, the people would say, this is just not worth it. It's not worth it to rebel. It's not worth it to fight, because I'm not going to jail for life, or I'm not this kind of, that was the prevailing mindset. So the English military went into Northern Ireland And they instituted martial law. They cracked down. They they rounded up the leaders, and they showed no mercy, and they they just arrested, and they went house to house and dragged people out and and this kind of thing. Well, a strange thing happened. The tougher they cracked down, the more resistance they got. And and the English, the, the more that they cracked down, the more violence there was. And that caused some head scratching among the the high command. What is going on here? We're punishing more severely, but we're seeing more and more resistance. Every time we take one of these guys off the street, 10 more pop up. What's going on? Well, what was going on was this perception of illegitimate authority. And unfortunately, parents, our children are exactly like us. And if they perceive us to be illegitimately in authority in the house, we're going to have an all-out rebellion on our hands. We have to understand this. The whole thing of I'm the mom or I'm the dad and that's enough doesn't work. It doesn't work in your life. It doesn't work in you. That's not how you work. You don't, you don't follow someone's title. You follow what you perceive to be legitimate authority. And so this is how we this is how we distinguish between legitimate authority and illegitimate authority and we have to understand this as, as parents. Also kids, you need to understand this too. There are three things. It's not in your outline, but there are three things. The first thing is we look for consistency. If, a, if we're going to see something as legitimate authority, we look for consistency. Interestingly enough, this is one of the frustrating things. This is why we're having such a trouble, troubled time with the COVID-19 pandemic, is that there is a remar- remarkable lack of consistency in our leaders in applying laws. We see the mandate to wear a mask and then we see the same people ma- mandating that without them on. We see people saying you can't go to church but you can go to a protest. You can't go to uh, you-, you can't ha- go to a funeral but you can go to Walmart. There's a lack of consistency and that is what has promoted all of the resistance to it. So that, that also has to happen in your home. Parents, if there is no consistency in the application of rules, the application of what is right and wrong, you will be very, very, very quickly seen as illegitimate in your home. Your children are looking for consistency in how you are. If you say, child, mom, son, daughter, don't talk back to your mom that way, yeah, Dad, we heard what you called her the other day when y'all were arguing, inconsistency. Second thing we look for, we look for motive. Well, the first thing we look for, consistency in deciding, we look for motive. Why are they doing what they are doing? Do they have my best interests at heart? That's another problem with authority. The Pharisees back in Jesus' day, the people quickly discerned that they did not have their best interests at heart. They were out for themselves, and that's why they made such a contrast between Jesus and the Pharisees. They saw Jesus acting in their their best interest, and the Pharisees acting in their own best interest, okay? So motive is the second thing. Why are we telling our kids to do this? Why are we doing what we're doing, okay? That is a way to be seen as legitimate authority. The third thing is always we look for love. Does my dad, does my mom have my back? Are they there? Do they truly care about me? Okay, those are three things. If you want to be seen as a legitimate authority in your home, you have to have consistency, you have to have the right motives, and you have to have love. Our children, believe me, pick that up very quickly. Just like you do, parents. You understand that, because that's the way you work too. Okay, so what we get wrong about authority, it's not the crackdown, it's that you have to be seen as legitimate in your home. And if you are not seen as legitimate in your home, your children will show it very, very quickly. Okay, so these are three things we have to work on. Becoming more consistent, having the right motives, and having love. People that are seen as consistent, have the right motives, and are loving, are gonna be followed. Their word is gonna be followed. They're gonna be respected as legitimate authority, okay? So this is, a, that we have to understand that when we talk about grace-based parenting. The third thing I wanna tell you is that the word discipline, discipline pops up all the time in parenting. I know that because I was a subject of quite a bit of discipline in my lifetime, okay? But the word discipline means to teach. I always thought discipline meant Punishment, because every time I faced disciplinary action, I got punished, and it happened a lot. Okay, and I always thought that it meant to punish, but it doesn't. It the grace-based parent understands that the word discipline comes from the Latin word disciplus, which we get disciple from. This was, when I realized this, this was groundbreaking for me, that I I am in a disciple, a teacher-disciple relationship with my kids. I'm not the enforcer, I'm not the police, I am their teacher, they are my disciple. Like Jesus had the 12 disciples, the word discipline means to teach. Hebrews 12, 11 says this, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. I want you to underline something. I want you to underline harvest of righteousness and peace, because we're gonna come back to that. Harvest of righteousness, and underline that in the Bible, highlighted on your YouVersion Bible, whatever. This is very significant. See, grace-based parents view everything as an opportunity to teach, okay? Understand that. Um, You know, I I, I really have to emphasize this. Grace-based parents always focus on the lesson, not on the infraction. How many of us when we were kids, think about you. If you are a kid, think about like last week. If you are an adult when you were kids, how many of you when you got into trouble learned the wrong lesson? I did. I learned the wrong lesson. When I teach parenting classes down at the jail, one of the questions we ask is uh, What is the worst trouble you ever got into as a kid? Oh, I hear some good ones. Uh, there's some really, really good ones. Uh, for me, when I was in the first grade, I didn't see any need to do any work at school. Uh, I, I didn't like doing school work, I didn't want to do school work. And when the teacher passed out the dittos, how many of y'all remember dittos, okay? Right now, you can smell the ditto, can't you? You, you, you know exactly, you're, you're doing that right now because the first thing every kid did when the teacher passed out, dittos, was Okay, you can, you, how many of y'all can smell it right now? Absolutely, okay. All right, for those of you that did not have the wonderful scent of ditto in your face, it was a little printed out sheet and you've filled in your work. Well, what we, what we, the system we had in first grade, the teacher would hand out the dittos, and we would do them, and when you were done, you put, you put your work in, in the box, and you went to the player and got to play. Well, see, I wanted to go play, and I didn't see the need. I, just, I was more efficient. I was going to skip the work part, okay? I was just going to, and it was crafty. I was six years old, and I realized that, hmm, I'll just wait here. I'll not do anything, and I'll wait for the first person, And then I'll just, and when that first person goes over there, I'll just go over there too. It was a great thing. Everybody won. I didn't do the work. I got to play. It was great. Well, the problem is that I was getting zeros on all the work, and like a genius, I left the dittos in my desk. So I will never forget the time where my teacher called me up and said, I've got zeros for you the last two weeks. And I said, well, I turned it in. Brilliant. She goes, we'll see about that. She walks over to my desk opens up the desk, and there's every one of them sitting right there, the class took a collective breath, (gasps) and all of a sudden they started laughing. It was awful. Teacher called my mom, it wasn't pretty when I got home. Then it was even less pretty when my dad got home. See, that, that was the problem, I always got in trouble three times for every one thing I did. I got in trouble at school. Then I got in trouble when I got home from mom. And then I got even worse when dad got home. So I got, it was like God was stacking the punishments up. Okay, and, I, and when I when I share that, how many of you all have experienced getting in trouble? All of us have. Well, what lesson did I learn? Well, I learned, I learned some pretty pretty good ones. First of all, I learned not to lie, because lying got me in a lot of trouble. It wasn't the work that, that upset my parents and my teachers. The fact that I lied, that I had such a lack of character that I would look at them and lie. I realized that that really, I, I learned that really hurt people. That was bad. It was really bad. I learned that lesson. And I learned it's a lot less work just to do your work. I learned what it was like to look like an idiot in front of the class. Fortunately, I learned the right lessons, you all. But what lessons? have you learned, when I talk to many people about their parents growing up, many times all they told me, the lesson they learned was don't get caught. So instead of learning what was right, they just got better at doing what was wrong. See, when rules-oriented parents, non-grace-based parents punish, they actually create simply better criminals. They create children that are better at skirting the system. They, they, get, they create kids that just are more slick, more crafty. They're in, in inadvertently making better criminals because their children are learning the wrong lesson. All they're learning is how not to get caught. And guys, if that is what we are producing in our homes, we have got to stop that. Because sooner or later, your child is going to reach someone, work for someone, whatever, that won't teach them, that, that, that won't allow them to get better at being a better criminal. They're going to get busted. All right? Remember, remember what uh, Hebrews 12, says. Parents, what are you teaching? What, if we truly teach discipline and teach the right things, it says the purpose of discipline is to produce a harvest of Righteousness. A harvest, something that's growing up in your children. Righteousness, honesty, integrity, faith, joy, love. These things are the things that are supposed to be uh, growing like a harvest in our children. And look what it says. When that harvest is there, it leads to peace in the home. How many of you all would love to have a little bit of peace in the home? Absolutely. When we discipline, when we truly teach our children the right things and produces a harvest of righteousness, the Bible says, that leads to peace. Don't miss that, all right? So as we move grace into the home, this is something we have to understand. We need to move the grace of God into our homes. The first thing that has to happen though, parents, you have to understand the grace of God for yourself. You cannot be a grace-based parent if you are not a grace-based Christian. Okay, if you do not understand the grace of God for yourself, you will not be able to send it to your children. Romans 6.14 says this, for sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under law but under grace. So I'm going to ask the parents, do you understand the grace of God? Many of us still have a performance view of the faith. We really do. If I was to ask honest question, how many of you all still think that it is your job to earn your way into God's favor. If we were honest, more than half of the people in this room and online would say yes. How do I know that? Because a study came out last week. It said that more than 50% of American Christians say that Jesus Christ's death on the cross and resurrection is not necessary for salvation. It is, for, it is being a good person. Okay? Grace means on the contrary to that, that there's nothing you can do, whether serving the poor in Calcutta for your whole life or being a serial killer, that will make God love you any more or any less than he loves you right now. That's a difficult concept for us to understand because we live in a world that judges. Let me say that again. This is, this is when, when we understand the grace of God, we understand sin, Not to be a breaking of rules. This is for you personally and and everybody, listen. You understand sin not to be a breaking of rules, but a breaking of relationship with God. I'm going to say that again. When you understand grace, you understand sin to be not the breaking of rules, but the breaking of relationship with God. Do you understand that? Because when you understand that, then all of a sudden you can begin parenting your children in that way, where we're not necessarily concerned with breaking the rules. We're more concerned with you breaking the relationship. Okay? See, parents, we have to get ourselves right. Because a lot of us try to be grace based parents, but we're still performance based Christians or rules based Christians. See, I, I didn't understand this until I was flying on a plane and. When, you, when you're flying on a plane, if there's a sudden loss of cabin pressure, oxygen masks drop down. And they tell you if you're traveling with a small child to put it on yourself first and then put it on a child. And something, the parent within me recoiled at that and said, that's awful. I mean, shouldn't we put the mask on the child first? And the answer is, on no uncertain terms, no. Because if you black out, while you're trying to put the mask on your child, you both go down. You put your own mask on first so that you can turn and serve your family from a position of strength, not weakness. And guys, if we don't understand the grace of God for ourselves, we will never be able to transmit that to our children, okay? You cannot be a grace-based parent and be a rules-based Christian, all right? So we have to understand the grace of God for ourselves. Our our parenting Christian, parenting becomes an overflow of our relationship with God. What God does for us, we turn and do for our children. That is exactly what grace-based parenting is. All right, so number two here. This is kind of getting practical. Have as few rules as possible. And I heard every kid in here go, yes! (laughs) And you're waiting for a qualifier. I'm not gonna make one. Have as few rules as possible. That's what a grace-based parent does. Look what Galatians 5.1 says. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. There is a reason why God gave us the 10 commandments, not the 50, not the 100, not the 150, not the 200. He gave us 10. Who here Can name the Ten Commandments in order. Let's see. Let's see if people in here, see if we can name the Ten Commandments in order. And you joining us online, shout them out too. We'll we'll hear you. Okay? All right. Commandment number one, what is it? No other gods before me. Commandment number two. No idols. Commandment number three, somebody different. (laughs) (laughs) Commandment number three. No, it, Lord's name in vain. Do not misuse. Sorry, I didn't say take the Lord's name in vain. That's, do not take the Lord's name in vain. All right. Number four. What's today? Sabbath. All right. Very good. Number five. I just read it earlier. Honor your mother and father that it may go well with you. Then come the next five. Which, what are they? Number six. Murder. Don't murder. Number, number seven. Do not commit adultery. Number eight. Not steal, exactly. Number nine. False witness or do not lie. Last one. What? (laughs) Covet. Absolutely. And I hate to say this, but wrong. Nope. Nope. That is not the Ten Commandments. Because you left out the most important part. Everyone always does. Leave out the most important part of the Ten Commandments. Said what happens right before commandment number one? This is what God says. He says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, who brought you out of the land of slavery. See, in the beginning of the Ten Commandments, God doesn't give us ten rules. He starts off with the relationship. Even in the Old Testament, God establishes the relationship with us before telling us what to do. He says, I am the Lord your God. You didn't know me. You didn't know who I was. You didn't know who brought you out of of slavery, out of Egypt. You didn't know who it was that cared so much about you that I put the plagues on on Egypt and I brought you out of part of the Red Sea. I did all of that for you, to get you out of slavery, to let you know who I am. That's the first thing he says before he tells anybody what to do. That's a grace-based parent, because if I saw, if I was a slave, and some, and and God came down and brought me out of that, out of that misery, and and set me free to the the promised land, and he says, hey, I'm the one who did this, I, I would say, it's amazing, he says, hey, I got 10 things for you. <laughs> Whatever you say, man, because after what you did for me, there's nothing I'm not gonna do. And so he establishes the relationship first, and then he gives us the 10 commandments. So author Ravi Zacharias said, the reason we have 21,000 pages of laws on the books is because we can't follow 10 statements etched in stone. See, I found this, the more rules you have in your house, the less grace there is, because the more rules you have, the less relationship you have. I'm not saying don't have rules, I'm saying have as few as possible. See, guys, we need to tie every rule to a lesson and tie every consequence to a relationship. That's what a grace-based parent does. Okay, when your children mess up, and they will, and if you're a kid here, you will mess up, Let them see that isn't breaking a rule, it is breaking the relationship, okay? This is revolutionary stuff, but let them see that you're not just breaking a rule, you're breaking the relationship. For example, probably the worst thing in the home that you can do is lie, okay? That is the ultimate breaking of relationship, when you lie, when somebody looks at you and tells you something that isn't right intentionally, not by mistake. See, this was a big one in, in my house growing up, both in my house I grew up in and the big house now. You don't lie. That is the ultimate disrespect to the person. And this is the way you operate in your, in your relationships as well. If you had a good friend who looks at you and bald face lies to you, that relationship's gonna be damaged, isn't it? Absolutely. Okay, so the consequence of lying must not just be being taken out to the shed or or being grounded, it must be tied to a restoration of that broken relationship. See, parents, we need to start thinking along those lines. We start thinking about how do we restore, how do we get our children to value restoring that relationship, that's what a grace-based parent does. Okay, do you see how this works? Grace-based parents are about the restoration of the broken relationship not just punishment. See, but this has some inherent dangers. I have to, I have to realize that somebody, as I was explaining this concept, somebody brought up their mom. And their mom was a toxic, manipulative person who did this very thing. She tied everything to restoring the relationship. But it wasn't restoring. The relationship, whenever whenever this person was telling me, whenever I messed up, I basically became my mom's virtual slave for the next five years because she would always bring it back up and bring it back up and bring it back up, and she would use that to get me to do whatever she wanted me to do. She was toxic and manipulative, and that's why we have to understand the grace of God first before we do this because a toxic, manipulative person will use this to turn you into a slave always living in guilt. Do you understand what I'm saying? That is not what I am saying here. Parents, if you are a manipulative, toxic person, first of all, repent. Second of all, never use this until you get yourself right with God. All right? And if you grew up under a legalistic, manipulative person or currently dealing with one, you know how toxic this is. And if you don't understand the grace, uh, grace of God and don't live under it, you'll destroy this concept for your kids and the people around you. But here is the ultimate goal. Of a grace based parent. And if I had just one thing to tell every Christian parent, every parent in America, this is what I would say. I would say this The goal of grace parenting is making disciples. That's it. Making disciples. Look what Ephesians 6 4 says. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. This is something that a lot of Christian parents don't get, and a lot of us have never, never gotten it. I know this. because I was in youth ministry for nine years and a pastor for 12 years, and I'm astounded at what comes out of so-called Christian homes, P- children that are incapable of, of, of articulating even the basis, basic parts of the Christian faith. For children who are far more, in, uh, far more influenced by and shaped by media and by pop culture and celebrities than they are by the word of God. My parents, you have all kinds of pressures and stresses on you. I know, I've been a parent for 21 years. You have to raise your kids. You have to know what they're watching online. You gotta worry about social media apps. You gotta worry about cyberbullying. You gotta worry about mental health. I worry about friends they hang out with, what career path they're on. Got to figure out, you know, worry about teaching them to drive responsibly. Boy, that's a fun one. Uh, who, who they will date, who they will marry. There, there's, there's a constant thing going on, and I am not going to burden you with something else. But here's a question I want to ask you all. You know what's missing in all of that? Will any of those things matter in 100 years? Will a social media app, what they watch on TV, who they hang out with, any of that matter in 100 years? No. Here's one thing that will matter in 100 years, in a thousand, in a million, and for all eternity is their relationship with Jesus Christ. That is your primary responsibility, parents. That is not school work as important as that is, not, not uh, sports performance as important as that is. It's whether or not they have lives surrendered to the lordship of Jesus Christ. That is the only major thing that's gonna matter in 100 years. John Eldred said this, teach a man to, teach a man to rule and you'll help him solve a problem. Teach him to walk with God and you'll help him solve the rest of his life. Isn't that awesome that's good stuff right there I'm gonna read that again teach a man a rule you help him solve a problem teach him to walk with God and you help him solve the rest of his life now many parents know the heartbreak of, of adult children that have walked away from the faith I, 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 many of us in this room and online know this even bringing our children up as disciples and doing the best we can. It's no guarantee they're going to walk with Jesus. They all have to make that decision for themselves, and I pray that they will. But many parents wake up one day and realize their children are simply more honest reflections of themselves. They have the same priorities, same goals, same values, same everything. It's just they don't have the faith facade that their parents did. Really, they prioritize exact same things their parents do: work, school, sports, leisure, career, a comfort. They're just more honest, and they're downplaying of the importance of faith than their parents are. See, our greatest fear, parents, shouldn't be of raising children that are failures. Our greatest fear, parents, should be of raising children that succeed in things that just don't matter. That should be our greatest fear and concern as parents. Not that we raise people that are not successful in the world's eyes, it's just that we raise people that are are successful in things that just don't matter. Jesus asked the question himself in Matthew chapter 16, verse 26, what good is it to gain the whole world and yet forfeit your very soul? That's a good question. Are we raising children that are excellent in things that don't matter? I'm gonna speak to the teenagers. Uh, uh, One quarter of the people in this church are under the age of 18. I don't know if you know that or not. Are you all gonna be excellent in something that doesn't matter? Or are you gonna be excellent in something that matters for eternity? And that is your relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm gonna invite the band to come on back up Grace-based parents prioritize bringing their children up in the faith and the training and in instruction of the Lord. That's what the Bible says. Interestingly enough, Ephesians 6, 4 doesn't say pastors, does it? It doesn't say fat pastors, don't exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training instruction of the Lord. They don't say that. It doesn't say mothers. It doesn't say teachers. It doesn't say politicians. It says, fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. And for the mothers out there, if there's no father there doing that job, I know that you're gonna do the best that you can. But men, it is our job to bring our children, our sons and our daughters up in the instruction of the Lord. That's it. That is the only thing that's going to matter in a hundred years or a thousand years. So I'm going to paraphrase John Eldridge's quote. I'm gonna say this, teach our children a rule and we help them solve a problem. Teach our children to walk with God and we help them solve the rest of their lives. Far more concerned with breaking relationship than breaking rules, we are grace-based parents. We are people that take the grace of God that he has given us, our understanding that sin is not so much breaking a rule as breaking a relationship with God, and we turn and we parent the same way. That's what a grace-based parent is, and I want to pray that you move that grace of God into your home. Move it into your home and watch Jesus produce a harvest of righteousness and peace in your home's and in your children. If you need prayer, if you need to discuss this, if you need help, one of my favorite things in the world to do is help families thrive. I love marriage, I love kids, I love being a parent. Contact us, reach out, and you all online as well. Send us an email, send us a text, let us help you. There are people in this church that are excellent parents that are excellent at being married. Let's get you guys together and learn from them. If you're struggling with this concept, we want there to be grace-based marriage and grace-based parents in this church because this is the way to do things the best way. All right, I wanna invite you to stand up. Let's let's finish with our worship time to this amazing God who gives us that amazing grace.